Welcome. Thank you for choosing to listen to another Destiny Changing Word by David Entry from one of our Revival Seeking Youth Services. If you want to control your world, catch the word. Be blessed. 1 Timothy chapter 1 verse 4 is a plan. Thank you, Jesus. First Timothy chapter 1, verse 4. Oh, sorry. I, I tend to get tempted to read more. So let's start from verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the commandments of God, of God our Savior, and the Lord Jesus Christ, which is our hope. Unto Timothy, my own son in the faith. Hmm. Say, son in the faith. Son in the faith. Say it again. And to Timothy, my own son in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and Jesus Christ our Lord, as I besought thee to abide still in Ephesus when I went unto Macedonia, that thou mightest charge some that they teach no other doctrine. There was a gentleman called Apollos. He was such a blessing to the church. Um, he was, Bible calls a human being, he was mighty in the scriptures. Acts chapter 18, verse 24. He was, he, he was Jew, named Apollos. An eloquent man. When they say someone is eloquent, he knows how to speak. He will speak so well, you'll be, you'll be convinced. If he likes you, if you're a woman, he likes you, he'll get you. <laughs> the way you speak, you can, you say, oh, uh, yes, 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 yes. An eloquent man. So you have to be careful about eloquent guys who are not mighty in scriptures. <laughs> Mighty, a man, and mighty in the scriptures. He came to Ephesus. Say Ephesus. Ephesus. But at that time, Paul, in the verse 3, he, there were, he was with this gentleman and his wife called Aquila and his wife Priscilla. So verse 2 says that, and he found certain Jew named Aquila, born in Pontus. <laughs> I think let's start from verse 1. It says that, after these things, Paul departed from Athens and went to Corinth. And he found a certain Jew whose name, he was named Aquila, born in Pontus, who had recently come from Italy. He used to live in Italy. People used to travel a lot. Immigration has not been a new thing. <laughs> With his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had commanded all Jews to depart from Rome. They were all every Jew. Leave, 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 leave Rome and go back to your country. So they were deported and sacked from Rome. So when he was sacked from Rome, he came to Athens. And with his wife, and, and he came to them. Paul met them. He came to them. And the verse 3 says that. So, because he was of the same trade, he was a tent maker, he stayed with them and worked. Because they are tent makers and it's like they are, you know, same business. So, they became, they had some fraternity there. For, by occupation, they were tent makers. So, they were together and then they, they were doing the work. But look at the verse 18. Verse 18 talks about how, I think it's very, so Paul still re, uh, remained a good while. Then he took leave of the brethren and sailed for Syria. He was going to Syria. So he left Athens. He stayed there for a while. And then he left Athens to go to Syria. And Priscilla and Aquila were with him. He had his hair cut off at Syncria. For he had taken a vow. Verse 19. 
And he came to Ephesus. Say Ephesus. Ephesus. Say Ephesus. Ephesus. Ephesus was such a very important city on the map of God's, the, the, God's program of redemption. Ephesus. He came, to, he came to Ephesus and left them, who are them? Priscilla and Aquila. So he met them at Athens. They were working together. And he, he left, he took his leave after staying there while Athens and went to Ephesus. And when he got to Ephesus, he left Ephesus, but he left Priscilla and Aquila there. And he left them there, but he himself entered the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. That's also another thing why you need to be taught because you must have reason for what you do. So I feel it. Some of you only have feelings, but you don't have biblical reasons for your spiritual endeavors. It's not good. You must have biblical reason. So you can reason with people that it's not that faith, 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 faith. Faith is never contrary to science. It's, it's, it's polluted men, perverted men, people who think faith. So they try and take science to a dimension that is not reasonable. You can do research for anything and come up with something nonsense. So science is not contrary to faith. Actually, most of the inventors, scientific inventors and inventions, were, were, came across, uh, came by, by people of faith. Newton was a man of faith. Wow. John Newton. Many of them were people of faith. And so, those so-called scientists, there are many scientists in Oxford, in Yale, Cambridge, who are strong believers. Logically, reasoning will tell you there is something beyond. Yes. There's something beyond science. Science can explain everything. So reason points to something higher. That's where faith comes in place. Many philosophies and uh, field of uh, uh, academia were all developed by people of faith. Science is not contrary to faith. Or faith is not contrary to science. Let me put it this way. Faith is not unreasonable. So for you to have an authentic faith, it must have reason. And your reason must be founded and based on scripture. Not common sense. Because common sense only gets common results. Scripture is the basis of faith. Say that together. Scripture is the basis of faith. Every genuine, sound, authentic, godly faith is based on scripture. You can't afford not to know the scripture. Yes. Your faith will not be solid. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So, he went into the synagogues. Most of the time, it was Jewish people who were very religious, who have been taught, most of them have been taught from their infancy. Taught about God. They've been taught about um, um, Yahweh, the Jewish God, they, they, they know it. And sometimes, as a, uh, as a child, by the time you are, you are about to do your bar mitzvah, you have to be able to recite or rattle some of the scriptures, the Jewish scriptures. So they know, Jewish boys knew it. And now these people know the scriptures, the, many of them know the other scriptures. Like, that's why Apollos, uh, the, the Apollos was mighty in scriptures. It's, it's, it's common for a Jewish boy to be very well vested in the scriptures because that's Jewish. To be Jewish means really in those times more to be Jewish is to be committed to God. And how do you get committed to God? Through the scriptures, the Torah. You know the Torah. You can't be a Pharisee if you can't re recite the law of Moses or you can't recite the books of Moses verbatim. You, you, you can't. So they knew it. And now Paul had to go into the synagogue and these people were so, they were so religious, but they didn't know the God of Jesus Christ. And so he has to go into the synagogue. You can't just go and tell how I feel. They don't even care about miracles. They don't care. It's only people who don't know God deep who get distracted by miracles. 
if you to know God deep, your faith must be founded not on miracles or happenings. Your faith must be founded on scripture. Your faith must be founded on that say the Lord. That say the Lord. What the Bible says. How can you reason with feelings? You only become emotional. You can't build your faith on temperaments. You can't build your faith on feelings. What happens when you feel let down? When you're someone you love dearly dies. And you pray to God, your brother, what, how are you going to explain that? Your faith cannot be built on feelings. Your faith must be built on the knowledge of God's word. So he went to the synagogue and reasoned. I, like, I can't just move away from the reasoning. Because a lot of people don't reason. They don't reason in a way. Even God said, come and reason with me. Even though your sin be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Bring your case. Come and reason with me. Come and let us reason together. This is God talking. Let us reason together. Enough of this mindless worship. You must know what you worship. John chapter 4, verse 22, 20. He says that, you people, you Samaritans, worship what you know not. Ah! You worship what you know not. But salvation is of the Jews. We worship what we know. We, we know what we worship. Do you know what you're worshiping? These are the words of Jesus. He said, ye worship, ye worship, ye no, not what? That's a King James. <laughs> New King James will put it better. You worship what you do not know. How about NIV? The Samaritans worship what you do not know. How about Amplified? You Samaritans do not know what you worship. That's sad. The Bible is not true because we believe it. We believe it because it's true. Yeah. There are two different things. <laughs> It's not our believing it that credits it with its authenticity. It is authentic. So when you reason, you end up believing. That's why the Bible must be open for people to reason from Scripture. So he went into the synagogue and reasoned in Acts chapter 19. (laughs) This is good. In Acts chapter 19, verse they spoke evil of the way. Six, seven, eight. When, but when some would not believe, but spoke evil. They won't believe. You are leaving us. You don't want to do church. Go, why are you talking evil and calling people and saying evil? But when some were hardened and did not believe, but spoke evil of the way, the church is, the Christianity is called the way, before the multitude, they are telling you, put you online, the court is a woman. They would not believe they were hardened. How many of you have met people or know people who are hardened? It doesn't matter what you are saying, church. There are people sitting here, you are hardened. And not believe. And then they speak evil of the way before social media. <laughs> he departed from them. Some people, it gets to a time, leave them. He departed from them and withdrew those who were serious. One of the, if you are, if you are a serious person and you want to help people in Christ, one of the early things you must learn to do is separate them from some people. You must learn how to tell them, this is your friends, you can't be working with them. You want to do well. That guy, you have to stop going there. They are calling you, but don't answer. Block them. You have to let teach people how to separate themselves from some people. Paul separated, he departed from them and withdrew the disciples. He withdrew disciples. Come. There are a lot of things there's no need you teach some people. It's no need. You are are, are, are just like pouring water on cement block. There's no need. He separated the disciples and began reasoning. Reasoning with them daily. 
in the school of Tyrannus. And he said, this continuous daily, can you imagine, daily meetings, continue for two years. They are telling you you are going to church too much. The, the genuine people, look at them. They went to church every day, daily. And what, they were not singing, dancing. Reasoning. For two years. <laughs> for two years. Do you see the impact of that? What happened? So all Asia had the word of God. Both Jews and Greek. Because some people were separated, it helped the impact in the, in the territory. All Asia. This is not talking about one city. A whole territory. All Asia had the word. Then when you see the impact, look at the next verse. And God worked special miracles by the special. This is why you see special miracles by the hands of Paul. By the hands of the one who is reasoning. Teaching the people. He created the platform for a certain move of God. <laughs> Say reasoning. reasoning. Sometimes when you are listening to preaching, pray that this person will help me reason in the word of God. Instead of preaching, yes, you don't know all, you don't know all, you don't know. Please tell us something. He said, who shall hallelujah, hallelujah, every time, hallelujah, amen, hallelujah, amen. <laughs> you don't know, hallelujah, amen. <laughs> you don't know. Please, can you tell us something? Talk, talk to us. So anyway, he went daily and reasoned, Acts chapter 18, and reasoned with the Jews. Verse 20, when they asked him to stay, and when they asked him to stay a, uh, a longer time with them, he did not consent. He said, I have to go. Or well, he was on his way something. But what happened? 21, but took leave of them, saying, I must, I must by all means keep this coming feast in Jerusalem. So he was going to Jerusalem. But I will return again to you, God willing. That's why I only have to just say. Learn how to add God willing to the things you are saying about tomorrow. Those of you receive texts from me and like if we are communicating, I hardly say I will come, I will see you I will, without adding God willing. Because I found out in the Bible. He said, why are you saying tomorrow I will do this, this, this? You have to say, James, the book of James. How surprised is in the Bible? What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Verse 15, please. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. Don't just be saying, I'll, I'll see you tomorrow. When I finish, I'll come. Next week, next, next, next week, I'll travel and come and see you. Christian sister, Christian brother, add God willing. That's what it says in the Bible. So I, since that time, I never say promise anything about tomorrow without adding God willing. Praise the Lord. So he said... God willing, he wants to spend the feast in Jerusalem. And if God willing, God willing, he will come back and say to them uh, from, uh, uh, and, he, and then he left Ephesus. All right. So he came from Athens to Ephesus. And Ephesus, they wanted him to stay longer. But he said, I have to go to Jerusalem for the feast. So he left Ephesus. Verse 22. And when he had landed in Caesarea, and gone up and greeted the church, he went down to Antioch. The next verse. After he had spent some time there, he departed and went over to the region of Galatia and uh, Phrygia in order, strengthening all the disciples. That's so nice. That's his job. He just, was, he just loved it. Verse, the next verse. Now, a certain Jew Named Apollos, born at Alexandria, an eloquent man and mighty in the scriptures, came to Ephesus. Paul had left Ephesus. Okay? Paul had left. So, but Priscilla and Aquila were there. He left them there. He brought them from Athens. They had already run away from Italy. And then they met him at Athens. And he brought them from Athens to Ephesus. He left them at Ephesus and he continued his journey to Phrygia, Galatia, on his way towards Jerusalem. And then Whilst they were there in Ephesus, a man called Apollos, a Jew, mighty in scriptures, very eloquent man, came to Ephesus. But look at his description. He came to Ephesus. This man had been instructed in the ways of the Lord and being fervent in spirit. He was quite spiritual, but there was a defect. He spoke and taught 
accurately the things of the Lord, though he knew only the baptism of John. So his, his revelation about God was short. It wasn't complete. Because he didn't really know very much about Jesus. Very well. But he was a mighty man in scriptures. So Priscilla and Aquila, who have been spending time with Paul, understood the true gospel. So they called him and they pulled him aside. In other words, they, they tried to invite him home and they spent time with him and taught him fully. So, so uh, the next verse, uh, no, yeah, yeah, that's it. So he began to speak boldly in the synagogue. When Aquila and Priscilla heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. So you see, you can be mighty in scripture. You always, I've always been in church. I know all this, uh, everything. Uh, you, don't, you really don't know everything, please. You know something and Delilah. You know about David and Goliath and David and Bathsheba. You know about Jonah in the well, the, the belly of the... You know about Daniel in the lion's den. You know about the way Jesus was crucified. They killed him on the cross and there were two thieves, one to his left, one the other one. You know about Abraham, Sarah, and Isaac. You know about Rahab, the walls of Jericho. These are all Bible stories. They are true. But knowing story is different from knowing scripture. You cannot, you've been in church a long time, but you don't really know the Jesus of the scriptures. That's why you are so comfortable about some things that are against the church. It's because you don't, you, you don't have a revelation. So they, they took him aside and taught him more accurately. I like that phrase. More accurately. The, the ways of God. The way of God. More accurately. And the Bible says that he actually was a blessing to the church. Look at the next verse. And when, and when he, desired, he desired to cross to Asia... The brethren wrote, exhorting the disciples to receive him. And when he arrived, that's Asia, he greatly helped those who had believed through grace. That's uh, Apollos. He's a very mighty guy. So he really made a big impact in Ephesus before he left. But all that, Paul has left, but this guy came. So in chapter 19, it says, whilst Apollos was at Corinth, Paul now came back to Ephesus. Having passed through the upper coast of Ephesus, finding certain disciples. Why? Because Apollos had made an impact and left. But Paul came. And then when he came to the upper coast of Ephesus, he saw that these guys are disciples. And he asked them, have you received the Holy Ghost? They said, ah, Holy Ghost. Apollos, you didn't finish the job. Apollos. They asked them, so into what, into what then were you baptized? Because the guys are saying they have not heard about any Holy Ghost. You are a disciple and you haven't heard about any Holy Ghost. Look at you. How are you going on with your work with God? When you become born again, the next important thing you need is the Holy Spirit. Holy Ghost baptism. So, they said, we don't, we don't know about the Holy Ghost. I don't know what I was I said, ah, so, I know you are baptized. So, into what room then were you baptized? They said, John baptism, which is baptism of water. You know, Apollos. Apollos knew only the baptism of John. Yeah, Apollos. He came and he knew only about it. So he has infected the people with his limited knowledge. You are as good as your pastor. Whoever is teaching you will determine your, the efficiency of your spiritual work. So, Paul left Apollos at, uh, sorry, then Paul, Ephesus is a very important place. So Paul left a gentleman called hmm, Timothy. Magada Shagada. Paul left Bratim. Bratim was left in Ephesus. For what? Let's go back to the text we were reading, where we started from. You remember? I, I suppose somebody's catching something already. We are reading 1 Timothy chapter 1. Verse 3 says that, as I besought thee to abide still in Ephesus. Paul himself, they wanted him to stay. He didn't stay. Because he had to go to Jerusalem. But he besought Timothy. Make sure he stayed there. Don't leave. As I, I besought you, give us New Living Translation. When I left for Macedonia, I urged you to stay there in Ephesus and stop those. 
There's a reason why I Timothy, you can't leave. You can't leave. I've taught you that. See, my job here, you know, some of you are not aware. I'm intentionally teaching you very good, strong things. So that wherever you find yourself, even if I'm not there, you'll be able to defend the faith. We can send you somewhere and you you radically change their faith. So he said, as I urge you when I went into Macedonia, stay there in Ephesus so that you may command certain people not to teach false doctrines. You need someone who is there watching whatever anybody is teaching. Hey, you can't teach that thing. You can't teach that thing. Yeah, I know, I know you love God. Oh, you don't love it. God, God showed him himself. Hey, doesn't matter what God showed you. You can't teach that. So he said, stay in Ephesus for one reason. To monitor what other people are teaching. That's all your job. Monitor. Check what they are teaching. Oh, but it doesn't matter what you see. It's about the heart. Hey, don't go down there. So you can't tell me it's the heart that matters. The teaching matters. Elevate the weight of the teaching above the heart of the person. Good, sound teaching saves the church. Good heart, but bad teaching destroys the church. church. Don't confuse right doctrine with uh, 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 sincerity. You can be sincerely wrong. So please don't say, oh, my heart is good, my heart is good. Let's get cut to the chase. What is your teaching? What is your doctrine? I don't listen to a lot of people on YouTube. No, no, no. This is why I say that I don't have time for some of the crap. And some preachers I don't listen to because their doctrine is not sound. If you are working miracle, I want to know your doctrine before I accept your miracles. First, Timothy chapter, chapter 4, verse 16. He said, take heed to yourself and your doctrine. Can you imagine? The one who was left in Ephesus to oversee. <laughs> the one who was left in Ephesus to oversee the, the teaching climate, spiritual climate. Paul had to write a letter. He said, hey, take it to yourself. He said, take it to yourself and to, your, to their doctrine. Because if you take it to yourself and you take it to your doctrine, the impact is, and you continue in your doctrine, the impact, for in doing this, you will save both yourself and those who are listening to you. Wow. Who told you doctrine is not important? Wow. If you don't take it to your doctrine, you are destroying lives. Wow. Wow. Destroy. Some of you say, oh, it's just preaching. Ah, really? Doctrine matters. Doctrine matters. Because society said, no, no, you, 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 can't, you can't be preaching this. You can't be this. Is the society the one that called you? You can't change people you are not different from. We are called to change the world with a message. The world shouldn't be changing us with their message. So he said, I left you in Ephesus with a very important reason that you will, <laughs> that in Ephesus, that you may charge some that they teach no other doctrine. In other words, you are checking, hey, make sure you don't talk about these things like this. No, it's, not, it's wrong. You can't talk about You can't talk about Judaism. And you can't tell everybody to start sacrificing sheep. What is it? So they have to be there. The security of the church, the immunity in the church is based on the soundness of its teaching. Our, our sound teaching is our immunity. So that's why Peter wrote second, the book of Second Peter. Just to inoculate the church against the onslaught and the influx of wrong attacks or attacks from the devil to destroy the church. A church that doesn't have strong doctrine will be washed away. That, so he says that I left you in Ephesus. You charge some that they teach no other doctrine. No other doctrine. In other words, there are other things you can teach. 
Doctrine is teaching. That they teach no other doctrine. Verse 4. Said, don't teach, teach them not to teach other doctrine, nor to give heed to fables and endless genealogies. New living translation. Do, don't let them waste their time in endless discussion of myth and spiritual pedigree. In other okay, let's go to a message if I can try and explain that. Apparently, some people have been introducing fantasy stories and fanciful family tree that digress into silliness instead of pulling the people back into the center, deepening faith and obedience. (laughs) Introducing fanciful stories. Some of the things when you hear, wow, 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 but it's not, it's not building you. It's not, it's, where, is, where, where is this going? So he said, I kept you in Ephesus like a, a gatekeeper. Why? Because Ephesus is a very important church. To the extent that when Jesus went to heaven and he wanted to now send letters to seven churches, Ephesus was the first church. Because the church of Ephesus, I have a feeling the church of Ephesus was like KP2. In Revelation chapter 2, it says that to the church of Ephesus, write. To the angel of the church of Ephesus, write. And it says that these things say he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walk in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. Verse 2, it says that I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot... Bear those who are evil. Is that not KP2? Yes. You cannot bear those who are, and you have tested, you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not, and you have found them liars. <laughs> is that not KP2? Yes. You can tell, they can sniff them from afar. That this is a fake prophet. This is a false prophet. This is a wrong teacher. You bounce them off. Why? Because you have been taught and you know, you know, you know the true gospel. You know the true gospel. You know the true gospel. Shout yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. They call themselves apostles and are not. Those who say they are apostles, they are telling you I'm an apostle. Don't mind them. I'm a prophet. Don't mind them. When you take the Bible and you start reading, let's say I'm teaching from Matthew. You get to Matthew chapter 4. From verse 1. Have you noticed that the truth of God is spread all over in the Bible? God has not put, let me, Matthew chapter 4, all the topic on marriage is there. And then all the subject of fornication is in Matthew chapter 18. And no, he hasn't done that. You see some here, see some here, see some here. So even if you don't want to touch it, if you are going to follow the text, you bump into something that you have to deal with it. So we'll be dealing with Colossians, but by the time we finish, you have taught on almost everything because it captures so many variant things. Marriage, the health, lifestyle, everything. It captures everything. Because the Bible speaks with one language. With one voice. No different. It's called analogia scriptura. (laughs) One voice. So let's go back to Timothy. It says that as I, verse 3, 1 Timothy chapter 1, as I besought thee to abide still in Ephesus when I went into Macedonia, that you might, you might as charge some that they teach no other doctrine, neither give heed to fables and endless genealogies. What do those things do? Which minister questions? After they finish talking, you are confused. You have so many questions on your mind, rather. So many questions. And the question, watch this. Because sometimes you can hear preaching, after the preaching, you have questions. Hello. It's okay. It's okay to have questions. Ah, okay, but this is what I was thinking. But the Bible also said this. Pastor, what do you think about? Questions, okay. So, but this kind of questions they are talking about, New King James, this kind of question, he says that, give it to, uh, no, give it to fables and legends, which cause disputes rather than, so the questions there means it's bringing disputes, watch this, rather than, that's the focus. Because every godly teaching is supposed to bring edification which is in faith. 
American, English Standard Version, ESV. Now devote themselves, some people have devoted themselves to all kinds of things. That does not bring what genuine teaching in the Bible brings. So, nor devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies which promote speculations rather than ah, oikonomia. I know you know that word. Rather than the economy of God. The teaching is supposed to bring to bear the economy, the plan, the intention, the intent, the program, the administration, the dispensation of God. So as I'm teaching, dispensation is going on. Ah. As I'm teaching, distribution of the grace of God that makes, that makes people become stronger in their Christian work is being given out. Now, so the teaching is rather supposed to bring to bear or bring about the dispensation of God, the oikonomia of God, the administration of God, the fellowship of God. So the preaching is supposed to bring to bear the oikonomia. Okay, so watch this. said, I left you in Ephesus that you charge, not just stop. You charge. Hey, you can't teach that here. Hey, Mahashebe. You can't teach that. Charge them. Don't teach this. You are not allowed to teach this kind of things. So he said, I left you in Ephesus to charge some that they teach no other doctrine. Not just that. No. Verse, verse 3 again. I urge you to, and when I went to Macedonia, remain in Ephesus, that you may charge some that they teach no other doctrine. Yeah? No. Give them or give heed to fables. Listen, listen. Can I advise you? There are some links on Facebook, YouTube they send to you. Don't listen to it. That's what it means to give heed. You are very inquisitive. Okay, so, all right, let's, let's just see. I don't believe I love you. Just see. Why are you wasting your breath on me? said, don't give heed. Giving heed means paying attention to something. How does a New Living Translation put it? Don't let them waste their time in endless discussions of myth. God, right. then this happened, and this happened. Where is it taking us? So he says that all those things, the disputes, the questions, and the discussions, these endless, it does not bring the oikonomia of God. It doesn't further, rather than, so he says that it's, it's uh, it, it causes disputes rather than godly edification. Now, that godly edification is the oikonomia, God's program, God's plan. The preaching changes the translation to the, uh, uh, promotes speculation rather than stewardship from God. Stewardship from God. Stewardship, that means, rather than plan of God. So as we are teaching, you should, it's like I'm teaching, and as I'm teaching and I open the Bible, in the spirit, it is like the plan of God is being handed to you. That's, that's what teaching is supposed to do. The genuine Christ-centered teaching, it, it hands the plan of God to you. And then when you are handed, right to your feet, um, you are doing the preaching, hand the, the, you hand over the plan of God to me, that becomes my assignment in life. How did I get my assignment? Because I listened to a preacher. Wow. It becomes my assignment because that's now it's a personal encounter with God in his word. It's not someone telling me something. I have seen it. So the teaching is supposed to, as it teaches, as it's, you are being taught, your, the scales fall off your eyes and you begin to see, actually, God has a plan for me. This is what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to preach the gospel. I'm supposed to do wind souls. I'm supposed to serve in the church. I'm supposed to be faithful. I'm supposed to break up with this boyfriend. I'm supposed to break up with this guy. I'm supposed to stop the smoking. I'm supposed to stop the fornication. I'm supposed to, the, the teaching brings because God wants to use me for something great. Hallelujah. So the teaching hands over to you. It hands to you. God's plan is called the dispensation of grace, the distribution of grace, the oikonomia of grace. So if I'm doing my work well, by the time you finish listening to me, you have caught a plan of God for your life. 
That's what it does. So it says that, but suddenly people can come and talk about all kinds of nonsense. By the time you, you finish, even the little plan of God, hold it. The little plan of God that you want to be open to understanding, that little plan of God has been snatched out of your hands. Teaching can do that to a church. So Timothy, stay there and watch it. Now, the key aspect of what I want to tell God, I've been talking about the plan. It's in the plan. God has a plan. He are, and you are part of the plan of God. Amen. So he says that teaching brings you in line with it, but it's not every teaching. It's supposed to be sound teaching. Watch this. Let's go back to the text. ESV. These bad teachings promote speculations rather than. That means they are actually supposed to promote the stewardship from God, but they actually promote something else. The teachings promote something. Now watch this. So now let, we have understood false doctrines and wrong teachings don't promote what God wants to be promoted. So what does God want promoted in teachings? From the text. What? No, not all. What? Everybody. That's not all. Stewardship from God. I didn't hear you. I can't hear you. From God, that is my faith. I think if you can say it louder. From God, that is my faith. We've been hearing the plan, the stewardship, the plan of God. But I said, it's actually, it can only be accomplished. The teachings, sound teachings, is supposed to promote stewardship from God that is by faith. The faith element in your pursuit of God's worship is crucial. It's crucial. By faith. First Timothy chapter. Look at verse 19. Verse 19. Ooh, I like verse 19. It says that. Ooh, holding what? Faith. Holding what? Faith. I can't hear you. Faith. Holding what? Faith. Holding faith. Holding faith, not only faith, but hold good conscience. People are telling you, it doesn't matter, you can do this, it doesn't matter, God understands. But as you try it, you try masturbating, your conscience is not good. Your conscience can talk to you above your sense. Conscience is one of the things that can speak to you without your mind getting involved. So your mind might not know about something, but your conscience can tell you no. Conscience. Conscience. Watch this. Good conscience matters. Good conscience. Your friends can convince you that it doesn't matter. But your conscience can tell you it does matter. And holding good conscience. Which... By rejecting this, some trust, give me New King James. Which some, which some having rejected concerning faith has have suffered shipwreck. So at the end of the day, it's your actual faith. Watch this, I'm going somewhere. So the oikonomia of God, which is in faith, comes through sound teaching. But it must always be built in faith or upon faith. Faith is crucial. Faith is determinative. Faith is the platform and the foundation of your Christian work. But Satan will fight your faith. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 8, it talks about faith. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 3, verse 8 said, Now Janice and Jambres resisted Moses. So do these also resist truth. Men of corrupt mind. Disapproved concerning the faith. Concerning the faith. Your faith works. Second, first Timothy chapter 6, verse 10, verse 12, verse 21. Verse 10 said, For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, for, for which some have been strayed from the faith. People, you can stray from the faith. You are in church, but you've strayed from the faith. 
because of a man, because of a woman, because of money, because of fame, because of fun, because of affronation, because of some, some party, because of a test. You can stray from the faith, but you, you can't stray from the faith and still carry out the oikonomia of God because it only happens in faith. Verse 12, verse 21, and I'll end. Look at verse 12. Fire, let's already allow. Let's go. That part again. eternal life. Fight to stay in faith. Bro, I know you've had some challenges. I know you've had some up and down, ups and down. I know you've had some turbulent times, disappointing times. I know you've been upset by a lot of bad things that have gone on. I know you have had times where you feel like giving up, nothing is working. I know you've had all these times, but hey, got to fight. No fight to keep your education. That's important. Fight to keep your family. That's important. Can't fight to keep your friends. That is important. But that's, none of that is as important as fight to stay in faith. Fight. It's a fight. I know you've been struggling with lust, but fight. I know you've been struggling with boys, but fight. I know you've been struggling about, about forgiving that guy, but fight. 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 It's a good fight. It's a good fight. It's a good fight. It's a fight of faith. It's a good fight. The fight of faith. It's a good fight. The fight of faith. It's a good fight. Fight the good fight of faith and lay hold on eternal life. Verse 21. By professing it, some have strayed concerning the faith. You can go off. You can go off. You can stray concerning the faith. You have gone off. That's why I said, one, charge some that they teach no other doctrine. Nor give themselves to endless genealogies. That, that gender spe- who bring spe- which brings speculation rather than godly edification which is in faith. Faith is the bedrock of everything we do. Faith is the foundation of everything we do. You got to stay in faith. Bible says in Acts chapter 6 verse 7 how the many became obedient to the faith. Oh, good God, thank you Jesus. Acts chapter 13, verse 8. This, this guy was trying to resist the proconsul from coming to the faith. But Elimas, a sorcerer, withstood them, seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. You can be turned away from the faith. You can be distracted from the faith. Don't think you can fulfill the economy of God outside of faith. In Jude, verse 3, he said, contend for the faith. It's like fight, fight, fight to stay in faith. Fight. Sister, I know you've had some disappointments. But please, a bigger one is on the way if you don't fight to stay in faith. The most damaging and life-distracting one is on the way if you don't fight to stay in faith. Fight to stay in faith. I, I really was upset. I've been offended. Hey, 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 get over it. Get for the sake of your faith. Fight to stay in the faith. There are some places as long as you are, your faith work is guaranteed some stability. Other places, you will backslide. You will backslide so brutally that you won't even notice you are backsliding. And you'll be very proud in your backsliding state. You don't you know people who are not Christians? One of the difficult people to really try to win to Christ is people who are religious. Because they have their own set of beliefs, faith system, which distract them from their faith. Fight. If it means traveling every Sunday to come and hear God's servant, fight to stay in faith. Fight to stay in faith. If it means saving some McDonald's money so you can pick, jump on the train to come to church. I've worked about 
uh, I, I believe about 10 miles to church before. Wow. 10 miles. I didn't have money. I walk. Nothing can stop me. Wow. Because I have to fight to stay in faith. Hallelujah. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7, he said, I have finished my course. I have fought a good fight. And I've kept the faith. I have fought a good fight. You see, the good fight has appeared again. I've fought a good fight. I've finished my, my race. And I have kept the faith. I have kept the faith. It's not everything that will excite you. Some things will up, up, upset you. Some things will put you off. But please, not at the expense of staying in the faith. Let them put you off and fight to stay in faith. If it means relocating from where you live, do it! Do it! If it means disassociating yourself from some people, do it! It's just that it's not that you're antisocial. You are just fighting to keep the faith. You are fighting to keep the faith. You know your friendship with this girl is not good. It's not helping you. It's making you always lie. It's making you always do what is wrong. And you don't have good conscience. You have damaged conscience. It's not helping, yeah. But you know God has a great assignment for you. The plan of God is being handed to you in faith. But good conscience is bad, so it's making a shipwreck of your faith. Faith, good conscience will save you. Fight. Fight. Fight to stay in faith. Fight for your faith. Fight for your faith. Because that is the only thing that can secure your destiny. Paul, at the end of his life, he said, I fought a good fight. I finished my course. Ha! Can you say that? I finished the economy of God that was given to me. I finished it. And I've kept the faith. There's always, therefore, there is laid for me a crown of righteousness. Yeah, there's a crown ahead. There's a crown. Now, you can't get the crown without your faith in place. Be careful. You can make shipwreck of your faith because of your association. Because of who you are hanging around or hanging out with, you can make shipwreck of your faith. God bless you for listening to this powerful message. May the power of God be evident in your life. Don't forget to like and subscribe to Caris Church on YouTube and listen to more messages from David Entry on all relevant streaming platforms. You can also connect with David Entry and our youth ministry at Caris Phase 2 on Instagram and TikTok and at Caris on Campus on Snapchat so you are always up to date. Be blessed.